2: My body is human, but my soul is these two. Energy is
3: evolving. Energy as consciousness. I start hearing like wings. It was a very weird sound.
2: I do think that there are things that we don't know. These uh, human-looking creatures erase our short-term memory. Short-term memory. And the species of humanity is a representation of consciousness in this universe.
0: This Earth is actually multidimensional. We only see one dimension of this planet. planet. planet.
3: Consciousness. It's supernatural, metaphysical, paranormally out of this world. You have tuned into the number one source for forward thinking. It's the Veranormal Show with... Your host, Vera Martinez.
1: Welcome, all of you humans and aliens out there, star seeds, angels, and spirits of this dimension and beyond. Thank you for joining us on another Paranormal Friday night for April the 20th. Oh no, it is already May. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still stuck in April. But anyway, thank you so much. We are The Veranormal Show, and we are broadcasting live from the hills of Austin, Texas, bringing to you the best weird, strange, and paranormal topics in this dimensional solar system.
3: The Veranormal Show can be downloaded for later listening on iTunes, or just check out the show's archive at blogtalkradio.com forward slash veranormal.
1: Whether you are working, driving, or just at home listening tonight, sit back, relax, and give us a call.
3: Write our number down, 818-532-9739. Again, call us tonight um, on the show live at 818-532-9739.
1: Tonight's topic is Physics Plus Paranormal Equals Behind the Cosmic Veil with special guest author Thomas Bosco. And we'll be talking about the theory of supergeometry, presented in his book Behind the Cosmic Veil, A New Vision of Reality. But before we get into that I wanna mention Little Ninja is joining me tonight. Oh yeah. Marfa Man and Baby Snakes run away together for the weekend.
3: <laughs>
1: so little ninja, how are you?
3: I'm good. Uh I just got back into Austin, so it feels good to be back. It's uh it's been kinda kinda warm here, huh?
1: Very, very hot. No warm.
3: Summer is here.
1: Yes. But I want to thank you for the amazing new intro oh, we have. Cool. I don't yeah. know if all of our listeners noticed. I really enjoy it.
3: Aw. Well. <laughs> Good job. I've been needing to do that for a long time, so sorry it was so late. <laughs> no, no,
1: no. I mean, yeah, we've been trying to update so many things, so many beats, and we want to keep it up going and happy and exciting for all of you. Exactly. We put a lot of work into this. With a lot of love as well. Yeah. So thank you, Learning J. Thank you for no joining problem. me tonight.
3: Absolutely.
1: We'll be missing men in case he's listening.
3: Oh, they're having fun.
1: So. <laughs> oh, those lovebirds.
3: Uh,
1: <laughs> anyway, coming up next, we are talking about the new model of supernatural mechanics, which not only explains the behavior of the paranormal, UFOs, and psychic phenomenon, but also provides answers to some of the fundamental problems facing physics today. But first, let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back.
3: You're listening to The Veranormal Show. Call us live at 818-532-9739. Go online and check out the website at veranormal.com.
1: Hey, welcome back. If you just logged in, we are The Veranormal Show. If you want to check us out, please go to www.veranormal.com.
3: You can uh, find us on Facebook and Twitter.
1: Our guest for tonight. I'm sorry if I'm screaming, by the way. I can My headphones... Are you having trouble with your yes, headphones? Yes, I'm Let really having trouble. So here. I I feel like I'm... That's worse. I feel like uh, I'm yelling. So hopefully well I'm not blowing people's ears out here. You got some Beats by
3: Dre on your head, so those are going to be... Okay, hang on here. Let me, let me
1: try. Let's get back to. Hopefully, everybody can hear me out there. I think. You thank, thank you very much. <laughs> Our guest for tonight. He has devoted nearly three decades investigating relationship between mind, physics, and spirituality, parapsychology, scientific anomalies, and paranormal phenomena with the goal of uncovering the unifying cosmological framework that has escaped mankind for generations. He is the author of Behind the Cosmic Veil, A New Vision of Reality, and he has been invited to speak as a guest on over 100 national and international radio programs. Everyone, please welcome Mr. Thomas Fosco. Hello, how are you?
0: I'm doing great. How's it going over there? Pretty
1: good. We're we're a little warm here, but <laughs> we're sweating. But it's all good. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Well, it's uh, it does seem to be a an early summer down the south here.
1: Yeah, yeah, it, it has been. Um, but anyway, that's that's how it goes. Um, thank you so much for accepting our interview tonight, sir. We're we're real excited. I'm a little nervous I have to say. It's a big word for me <laughs> to, to talk. I don't know if anybody knows this. I'm usually non nervous. But um hopefully I follow all of these this is big, big words. Um and I wanna get started talking there's a lot of stuff to cover. First of all, why inspire you to write this book?
0: Well um I was always uh, a very uh, pragmatic and uh, logical type of person, very scientifically minded. Uh, and, you know, a- as a child, I was one of those uh, that always needed to know why. And uh, I always had a very driving, compelling curiosity about everything. Um, in my uh, teen years and early 20s, I had a few profound uh, spiritual or uh, some might call para uh, parapsychological experiences which uh, left a very deep impression on me and caused me to question uh, the uh, the science that I had been taught as to how the universe is put together. And so for me, the compelling question became what type of universe would allow, these kinds of supernatural events to occur right? uh, by the very idea that they're called supernatural, uh, something which is above nature, so to speak, uh, never quite made sense to me uh,
2: Mm -hmm.
0: that uh, there should be some sort of a model of the universe that would accommodate these types of occurrences. And so for me, that became my... uh, Basically, my major goal in life was to uncover that cosmological framework that would allow us for the first time to make uh, quite a bit of sense of all these types of events as well as tying them solidly into normal reality mm-hmm. so that the uh, both are explained under the very same uh, model.
1: Okay, so that's why you think all throughout your website, I read, is, in your opinion, it's very important to establish a scientific definition of what constitutes paranormal.
3: Yeah, what, yeah. what, is, what exactly is paranormal?
0: Now, to me, uh, after a lot of consideration, uh, I came to the understanding that this was a necessary starting point uh, to really start nailing certain things down, was to come up with such a definition and for me, ultimately, that definition uh, is one of a physical effect, a observable physical effect that actually interacts with its surroundings, with its environment, um, but has no direct local physical cause connected to it. It's what physics calls non-local causality or non-locality for short. Say, for example, uh, you know, we're talking, we're having a conversation, and we're speaking in what I would call a normal vocalization, okay. which means that we have an effect, it's an observable effect, of vibrating waves in the atmosphere, in the air, that carries those vibrations to our ears so that we can hear the police. Uh, in a paranormal uh, voice, all of those things are the same, except that we have no locally connected vocal cords as a cause. That's what separates a normal voice from a paranormal voice. The effect itself is normal. It's the cause that is not locally present and directly connected to the effect that makes a phenomena paranormal. Now, once we give that type of a definition to paranormal phenomena, it begins to encompass quite a few things, including uh, many of the oddities that we observe on the subatomic level, which is covered under uh, the field of quantum mechanics or quantum physics. And even such things as gravity itself, uh, we begin to understand that all of these are working by way of non-local causality and that there's no direct physical cause connected to the effect that we observe. And so that was a a very important starting point and began to connect other things with it, and I began to be able to build a model based on that.
1: And this is what you call supergeometry?
0: Supergeometry is a way to explain what actually is a very, very old idea, It's been around for a long time, and that idea is that there is an order, or a structure, or a matrix, um, what we today would call information, Uh, a body of coherent information that exists above space and time, exists uh, beyond the four dimensions of space-time, the three spatials and the one temporal dimension but is actually a part of that greater universe, uh, that greater reality. And uh, in order to give it a little bit of a, a better clarification, I use the word geometry, uh, which gives us a, a tangible sense of a form, and then the word super, which is very common, uh, commonly used in science to describe a, you know, a superset of something else. Right. Uh, the idea dates back, uh, we could find it in Plato when he talked about these uh, super-physical or extra-physical forms. Um, it's been called a lot of different things. In the Bible, it's called either the wisdom of God or the word of God. Uh, the Greek logos, uh, which is the same kind of a concept of an order or a structure. Um you know, in modern times, it's been called cosmic consciousness, universal mind. Uh, some people call it uh, sacred geometry. Uh, Edgar Casey called it akasha. Uh, the physicist David Bohm, one of those prominent physicists of the 20th century, called it implicate order, which gave rise to the explicate order that we see in dimensional space-time. And uh, it's also been called configuration space. So that's the basic concept behind supergeometry. Um, What's always been missing was how this information actually becomes materialized into physical reality. And so this is where my book kind of blazes a trail and gives us a conceptual model of how this information actually materializes into the tangible, dimensional world that we normally see and observe and experience.
3: Gotcha. Uh,
1: I'm I'm kind of confused. (laughs) 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 No, 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 I'm following you slowly, but I am. Um, So basically you're saying uh, supergeometry can explain a lot of paranormal theories out there, phenomena. So well, let's, begin, it, uh, let's begin with, um, I was reading your website, you, you you said supergeometry bending of space can actually explain apparitions and disembodied voices?
0: Absolutely. Uh, but I'm going to give you a little bit of background first. Okay. So that... Uh, When I begin to talk about that in greater detail, it it becomes very easy to understand. Okay. Because this is really a universal model. Um, A lot of theories about the paranormal have arisen from the study of the paranormal. It is confined to talking about and defining the paranormal. This theory is different. This is actually addressing the way that the universe itself is put together. And then if we take that model and we say, okay, there's all kinds of aspects of observable reality. Now, if we take this grand scheme, this greater model, and then we look through this window of reality, so to speak, that we call the paranormal, and take this model and apply it to that part of reality, what would it tell us about uh about the paranormal? And so that's the angle that this comes from. It's a it's a much greater model. I see. So uh one of the keys to having unlocked this model was uh believe it or not, I mentioned it earlier, was the study of gravity uh. and uh without getting into too much detail on 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 just on talking about gravity the important thing to understand is number 1 um, the bending of space is always associated with gravitational fields einstein proposed this back in the early 1900s in his uh his relativity theories and he said that space is curved around all physical objects. He was actually, uh, he got it precise enough so that he was able to calculate how much that starlight coming from beyond the sun would be deflected once it got through the vicinity of the sun by the way that space is bent around this solar disk. And he was able to predict that very precisely, mathematically. Mm. The problem that has come up with this and has been with us for a long time is that every time we try to nail gravity down in terms of understanding it as a conventional force or even how it fits into the model of the universe, from a scientific point of view, we've always been frustrated by that. Um when Einstein tried to uh, prove what he called his unified field theory, that everything was a continuum of a a single substance, of a single field, where he failed mathematically was he could not express gravity throughout the four dimensions of space and time. He could not do that mathematically. Uh, Today, when we try to reconcile the predictability of his relativity theories, to the seemingly unpredictability of quantum physics, which are the two systems that we use to describe the world. The thing that constantly stops us from reconciling these two is gravity. Hmm. The standard model of the universe, which is what physics uses to explain the universe, it includes all the particles and all their interactions uh amazingly enough and most lay people don't realize this that the standard science's standard model capital S capital M for the universe does not contain an expression for gravity right um, when and in recent decades we've uh in looking even deeper out into the cosmos we've found that there is perhaps as much as 90% more gravitational effect than there is visible mass that can explain its presence. Mm. We have these great fields of gravitational lensing that we can see out in the cosmos where it's bending light that's coming from beyond it and yet there's no visible mass adjacent to it. Uh wow. this is very paranormal. In other words, we, according to my definition, we have a physical effect that's observable, that interacts with its environment, with no direct physical cause connected locally to it. This is where they made up the imaginary substance that we call dark matter. Uh, They feel that this invisible matter is what's making up the balance of the bending of space that causes gravity. Mm-hmm. I've always maintained there is no such thing as dark matter that there's a different explanation for it Ooh. Um, and finally, uh even where we do have visible mass where we can associate it with gravity, um, we still can't identify gravity for sure as a force because a force is conveyed by a particle that propagates itself as a wave. Now, we know that electromagnetism and the strong and weak nuclear forces, we have identified these particles and waves. But decades of research and investigation has never uncovered a graviton. It is still a theoretical particle that we have a stitch of of physical confirmation that it actually exists. And uh, many odd theories, like string theory, oh yeah, to on, say that? Mhm. Yeah, is based on the existence of a graviton.
1: Mm-hmm. If a
0: graviton truly doesn't exist, all string theory dissolves. There, it's, it, it's just us,
1: Yeah, I did watch the Elegant Universe and I, I, I try to comprehend everything, but <laughs> I probably only got 80% of it. <laughs> But it's well, fascinating. Okay. It is fascinating uh,
0: to me. You know, these are what what I talk about, which is so odd, which is so uh, uh, challenging sometimes to get a hold of, is mm-hmm. not necessarily the concepts themselves, but the the paradigm that is behind them. Anytime you change a paradigm, which is the way that you view the world,
2: it's a very,
0: very difficult thing to wrap your head around. Uh, This is just uh, because we have been taught and have grown up to look at things in a certain way. Um, What I tell people about is that a 100 years ago, we didn't know very much about earthquakes and volcanoes and mountain formation. We had a lot of data, a lot of information about them, but we didn't really know how everything worked. Uh, we just we looked at this and we just couldn't understand it. And then um, uh, in the late 50s and early 60s, we came to adopt this idea that's called plate tectonics, which has to do with the continental drift uh, and how these plates slide underneath of each other and the... Uh, uh, and the earth stresses that they cause. Once we understood that, boom, the veil was lifted, and now we look at volcanoes, we understand exactly how they're formed, we understand earthquakes, we understand how mountains formed, uh, and so much so that a young school child could very easily understand it with this paradigm of plate tectonics. But mm-hmm. without that paradigm, the greatest minds in the world looked at this exact same information and just kept scratching their heads. They couldn't figure it <laughs> yeah, out. Right.
1: You are right. right. It's the same thing right now. We're just scratching our heads mm-hmm. with all of this paranormal phenomena happening all around. Um, if we get back to paranormal again, um, I... I read something on your website. It was really interesting to me. You said the human eye only sees light, which is light reflected on an object. What is your opinion about the common explanation that spirits draw energy to manifest themselves in the physical world? Mm.
0: Well, this is a very good question. And this idea that has become very prevalent in the paranormal field is based on uh what I would say first of all a false paradigm a uh a mistaken identity so to speak and also a uh, a failure to look into the physics uh as deep as the, as they should be looked into one of the things i talk about is dividing uh paranormal uh, uh, investigation and paranormal research Into two distinct uh, Areas of consideration mm. uh, One of them I And I compare this to a police force uh, Police investigating teams uh, Investigating crimes um, One of these areas Is the criminology This concerns Itself strictly with who done it Who's responsible Who's the perpetrator Why they did it Why they chose that time that place, that victim, the motivation behind it, all of that is criminology. The forensics unit studies the actual physics of the crime scene itself.
2: Ah.
0: Unfortunately, in the paranormal, we have not had before my work a unifying model by which we could actually understand the forensics. So all the thinking has been done with the criminology.
2: Mm-hmm. In other
0: words, in paranormal thinking today, the connective tissue, which ties together all of these various events that we see at haunted sites, becomes the spirit, becomes the ghost. The perpetrator becomes the connective tissue that holds all these things together. And this really clouds our thinking. And I'll, I'll explain to you what I mean with these things with uh, uh, draining energy. Mm-hmm. Um, this is commonly understood Or they're thought about like with cold spots Or right. the malfunctioning of electrical equipment Well, uh, first of all Let's take a look at the other side of the uh, One of the other sides of traditional paranormal study Which mm-hmm. is UFOs
4: Ooh.
0: And occasionally we see the exact same phenomena That when UFOs come into close proximity With electronics they cease working. Hmm. Cars stop, radio stops That's working, right. flashlights don't work, batteries appear dead. Now, here's the paradigm shift, guys, all you that are in the paranormal field.
3: Uh-huh.
0: Have you ever read anywhere where someone said a UFO was draining batteries from your flashlight in order to physically manifest? No. Why not? <laughs>
3: I don't think they need to.
0: <laughs> well, here's the answer. Here's here's one of these ways of getting through the false paradigms. The people who are studying the UFOs don't have a ghost in their head. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, well, that makes sense.
0: You see what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Because we're, we're, we're researching quote-unquote hauntings mm. which imply a spirit. Everybody right. thinks about the spirit, and so they shape their reasoning based on that paradigm.
3: So you're, you're saying maybe this is all connected, all these, these sightings of apparitions and, and uh, possible UFOs and, and these things?
0: Oh, absolutely. Uh, UFOs, when we, and again, if we look at UFOs, let's put the aliens aside for a minute. Because what we're going to be talking about with the hauntings and haunted sites is putting the ghost aside for a minute, the spirit aside. And notice I said for a minute, for a moment. I'm not saying that there's nothing, there's no such thing as aliens, by no means. And I'm not saying that there's no such thing as ghosts or spirits. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is let's put it aside for a moment and just look at the forensics. Let's become forensics and look at the physics itself. And what we find when we study UFOs like that is they exhibit very many different types of aspects that are also seen in haunted houses. Hmm. Um, We see propulsion, objects being moved with no visible means of propulsion, no locally connected cause to that move. They seem to move of themselves. We see this... um, um, this effect on electrical equipment. We see things materialize and dematerialize. On rare occasions, we see things change shapes. We see electromagnetic effects that are associated with the manifestations of both these things. My, assess- my assertion has always been that if UFOs are, in fact, intelligently designed uh, craft... They have actually discovered the physics behind what goes on in a haunted house. That's part of the natural way the universe is put together. They've discovered those mechanics, what I call paranormal mechanics, Mm -hmm. and have built technology based upon them.
3: Interesting. Um, And is it a possibility that uh, you were talking about some of these quantum physics and and, uh, theories being put into the paranormal, is it possible maybe one of these quantum events could be linked to, say, a residual haunting or, um, or a, you know, spotting of a of, of an apparition?
0: Well, here's where we get back into uh, talking a little bit earlier about uh, how what I talk about, which is this body of information, this supergeometry, Mm-hmm. materializing into observable reality uh, oh and I, I wanted to add one extra thing about this idea of uh, spirits drawing energy to physically manifest uh, because I think this is important uh, this kind of puts the death nail so to speak the, the last nail in that particular coffin um, the idea is loosely based on Einstein's equation at E equals mc squared that matter and energy are two forms of the same thing and be, can be converted from one to the other. Right. That's the idea that heat energy is being drawn to create a physical manifestation. But unfortunately, in our loose thinking, we have not considered the full ramifications of that equation. And that is that an incredible amount of energy is required to create the tiniest piece of matter Mm. that the entire energy output of the sun and think about how many earths would fit into the sun entire energy output of the sun is not enough to create a McDonald's hamburger so consequently (laughs) you wouldn't be talking about cold spots of tens or even thirties degrees in a small area, uh, heat energy from that to be drawn and to create a physical manifestation. You would be talking about how many square miles surrounding you have just dropped to absolute 273, uh, what they call absolute zero, negative 273 degrees centigrade, to just get a fraction of a second wisp of cigarette-smoky-type manifestation. (laughs) <laughs> the physics is not there for that idea.
2: Mm-hmm. We are seeing
0: an observation just like they see in UFOs,
2: uh-huh.
0: but because we have a ghost in our head, we can't even see what's in front of our face. It's clouding our thinking. Right. Um it's funny. Uh people bring EMF meters into haunted houses and they <laughs> see spikes in EMF and then they see malfunction of their electrical equipment which is a very known cause and effect. We actually have weapons developed to take advantage of that. Uh, it's very obvious. It's well-known. We see it in ufology, but because we have a ghost in our head, we can't actually see what we're measuring and put it together in our heads. It's right in front of us. It's as plain as the wall, and we can't see it because we've got a ghost in our head.
3: So we need to be more, um, we need to not be so paranormally narrow-minded.
0: Well, we need, what we've needed is some sort of a physical model by which we can understand the physics of these events. And this is what my work talks about. And now that we've kind of covered all that background, I can get into uh, a little bit more of the details of how this model describes all these different paranormal effects.
1: Okay, before we get into that, I uh, we have a caller, and uh, caller area code 219, you are on the air?
4: Uh, yes, very normal, uh, big fan, uh, first-time caller.
2: Hello, um, thank you.
4: I, I'm I'm sorry, I just uh, overheard something about all the energy of the sun not being able to cook a burger. No, from McDonald's. To, is that? to create
1: no. to create a burger.
0: To create a burger. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, In other words, the entire have, energy well, out well, of the sun isn't sufficient to create even one ounce of matter.
4: Oh goodness, fusion, fusion. We we, I mean, we can create. No. We're mankind. We can create ounces of matter. Every other step of the way. We cannot create fusion like the sun does i mean i would like to know what the alien's agenda would be to be ghost like why would they why would ghosts appear what what does the par- i mean is there any sort of possible residual effects from mankind which is created within itself Maybe something so bad happens that part of your soul, your spirit, maybe stays behind, and it has nothing to do with anything but pieces of what we create.
0: Well, I think that uh, uh, what you're asking encompasses quite a bit of uh, things. Uh, First of all, fusion has nothing to do with what I was talking about it has to do with the conversion between matter and energy and energy and matter fusion is a way to generate energy uh that's not so uh, i think that uh, you've misunderstood what i was trying to say and uh, oh we can we can move on from that but i mean mankind creates energy within itself by procreation
4: how do we know i mean you're talking about the the paranormal the you know maybe the ufo t- i don't know how ufos and those come together as far as i mean there's so much going on within mankind and procreation and just what we can do as life itself <coughs> we don't even know what life and death is the fact that like aliens are are becoming apparitions i well i, I think I,
0: you've you've I think, forgive me, but I think you've completely misconstrued everything that I've said. Oh, Uh, I I think so, too. Yeah, and and just to clarify something else, too, even when we procreate, we do not create energy. This is, we just convert it from one form to the other. What the questions that you're asking uh, prove the very point that I'm talking about, in that, in the paranormal field, we tend to ignore the hard physics of the terminologies and things that we talk about. We throw the word energy around
4: uh, but energy is always without borrowed. any concern whatsoever
0: energy. of what it actually means scientifically.
4: Well, energy is nothing that we can hold within ourselves, but for a minute, we it's all potential. Energy is borrowed. As a matter of fact, it, it, uh, there's electrons, particles can move through walls if they borrow enough energy, but it always has to be given back. It's the balance. It's the balance of the whole cosmological universe.
0: Yes, but like we all, can. We, hold don't that we don't own it. We don't. So, 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 uh, Vera, if you would excuse me, uh huh. Um, I, you have to forgive me. I've never done this on an interview before.
1: Okay. But, okay.
0: Uh, this is becoming a debate over something where clearly the caller. Does not understand physics sufficiently for me to be able to give him a physics lesson during very valuable interview time. You'll have to forgive me. Did,
3: did you have a, a particular question?
0: Did I have
3: a
1: question? Yeah. Be- before we we'll let you before, go, yeah, do you have a specific question you want to ask? Hello? Okay, yeah, Uh, the call was dropped. And that was the
0: problem. There was no question asked, Uh, you know. And what I said about the possibility of UFOs exploiting the same type of technology, Mm -hmm. uh, I never even mentioned anything about aliens wanting to become apparitions. I have no idea where that came from.
1: Right. (laughs) Um, Well, this is where it all comes to one thing and how how much people need to be educated, we all have this our own ideas of why things happen. Um uh, specifically in the paranormal world. We all believe, we all I've seen it so many times in investigations, this whole um concept about spirits drawing energy from flashlights or batteries or, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And but you make so many very important points about how people are not paying attention to the physics of things.
0: Yes, the physics, the physics to do that simply mm-hmm. isn't there.
1: Right, uh, it makes no sense. To, Once you explain it, of, it, it makes no sense. It makes no yeah, sense. Yeah, I mean,
0: if you think about it, the starting point of all thermal energy mm-hmm. is, is absolute zero, negative two hundred and seventy-three degrees centigrade. So you're taking a scale from absolute zero, let's say up to 70 degrees Fahrenheit, which is an incredible amount of thermal energy in space, uh, uh, held with the in the substance in the molecules that are that are present there that are holding the thermal energy, and when you're talking about a cold spot dropping of 20 or 30 or even 50 degrees. Uh, you're talking about such a tiny amount of thermal energy on a cosmic scale. It's almost insignificant. Of course, we as human beings feel, oh, the difference between 30 degrees is 70 degrees. Oh, my goodness, that's such a big change. But that's that <laughs> egocentric way of looking at the universe that somehow human beings are the scale. <laughs> of how the universe works, that so we can measure the universe to us. The reality is the difference between 30 degrees centigrade or Fahrenheit and 70 degrees Fahrenheit on a cosmic scale is is almost insignificant.
1: Yeah, I, I see your point. I totally see your point. Um, well, let me ask you this. Do you think all of these events are connected maybe with other dimensions?
0: Well, in a sense... Um, Dimensions is a tough word. It's a word that we in this field toss around willy-nilly the -hmm. same way that we toss around the word energy willy-nilly. Okay. That uh, we don't really give it the proper consideration of what that term actually means. So for me, what we're talking about are that these elements that exist outside of space-time or beyond it, above it, are actually super-dimensional. They are something that is above dimensionalism. And when we think about it in that way, we're able to understand things a little bit clearer. When we try to think about other dimensions, the second we use the term dimension, we're thinking physically. And we're trying to talk about something that is beyond the physical in physical terms. And this oh. is another place where energy comes in, where we misuse it, and it confuses us, and it's been right. confusing us for decades.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Which is how come in this field we have every week it seems someone comes up with a different metaphysical or philosophical speculation, <laughs> uh, and the reason why they can do that is they're not they're not uh, uh, committing themselves to tie themselves directly to hard scientific definitions of the ideas and the terms that they're throwing around. Hmm. Uh, give you an example. Spirit energy.
1: Okay.
0: How many times have we heard the term spirit energy? A lot. But based on not only a spiritual uh, uh, understanding, but even in a model like Mayan, where what is a spirit is not physical, and yet energy is. So we toss around this term spirit energy, and according to my understanding, it's an oxymoron. It's a conflict in terms. It's like saying honest politician. <laughs> yeah. So here we have this this extra physical, this super physical, spiritual, if you want,
2: mm-hmm.
0: spirit. And then we tie this physical term energy to it, and it's a wonder after researching these things for a century that we still don't know what we're talking about. Because our minds are being crippled by these these false terminologies that combine our thinking in an area where it's unresolvable. It's impossible to resolve that oxymoron. So we keep going in circles. Every week comes somebody puts out a different book with a different kind of metaphysical idea and none of them get verified and they're all different from one another. Yeah. Because we're all dealing with mental blocks. Hmm. I know that's a very hard thing to say. But I'm going to start I'm going to talk about a little bit about this model. Okay. With the paranormal. Okay. And after I'm done with that, then this will be a whole lot clearer. Okay. <laughs> So we were talking about the bending of space associated with gravity Uh and the fact that we see bending of space without local mass. We see that quite a bit in the universe. So what I've done is adopted the ideas of Theodore Calusa, who was a 20th century mathematician and physicist, who believed that gravity itself was a non-local or what we would call a paranormal effect which is a physical effect with no direct physical cause, that the cause of gravity and the cause of the bending of space actually comes from outside space-time. So let's see what would happen if we take this bending of space and bring it inside of a haunted house.
2: Okay. Let's Mm -hmm. say
0: we have a – imagine the fabric of space-time being like the surface of an old inner tube in a tire. And imagine we have a weak spot in it. So when we fill it with air, we get a bubble. A bubble expands. It pops out from from part of the inner tube. Mm -hmm. Imagine if the fabric of space did this inside of a haunted house, and we have a bubble of space-time that's swollen or expanded like somebody blew up a balloon. Mm. What would happen? Well, the first thing we would have is that we know at the outer edges of the bending of space, space is crushed and compressed. Now, when it happens in the cosmos, it happens in a vacuum. But a haunted house is not a vacuum. At the very least, we have air molecules everywhere in the atmosphere surrounding us. So the first thing that would happen with these air molecules that happen to be occupying this crushed and compressed uh, space at the rim of this bubble is that the electrons inside of the atoms would get excited. And then they would jump into higher orbits. This is what happens when electrons become energized, so to speak.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, when that happens and they all start jumping into their higher orbits, the first thing that we would measure would be an electromagnetic field. And what, we would, what it would look like to us is that we would measure the appearance of an electromagnetic field literally out of thin air. It would just appear. So this is one of the things that, that happens in a haunted house. Now, let's take it a step further. And in quantum physics with electrons, what goes up must come down. So at some point in time, these electrons are going to expend that mechanical energy and they're going to drop back down into their lower orbits. Electrons can do a couple different things when that happens. Uh, the first thing that they can do, or one of the things they can do, is emit photons when they're dropping back down. This is still kind of a, there's a little bit of a mysterious aspect to that in quantum physics, how an electron can emit a photon and still stay the same itself as far as its structure and format. Um, But we see this effect all the time. Uh, And, of course, photons are particles of light if we feed an electromagnetic field through a particular material and it excites the electrons and the electrons drop back down and mm-hmm. emit photons of light that's how a light emitting diode works ah. we have them all around us in modern yeah. in the modern world
2: yeah
0: so this would explain where we see sometimes uh, light phenomenon now if somebody's been following me uh, mentally you know uh, conceptually what i was saying Okay. Here I'm talking about a globe or a sphere or a ball of space-time jacketed in an electromagnetic field and emitting photons. I have just given the world its first scientific description of a luminous orb. <laughs> That's hmm. exactly what it is. Yeah. You know... Uh, people say they're, they're balls of energy, but they're not measuring inside the orb. They're only measuring what's on the surface, so and that would you, be an electromagnetic field.
3: Do you think this this could be something that, like, you know, the Marfa lights? Do you, are you familiar with the uh, Marfa lights? Mm, perhaps. Uh, in Marfa, Texas, there's these, these light streaks that are seen across the horizon.
0: Oh, and- yes. It, it's quite possible. <clears throat> it certainly would, the the model that I'm describing and I'm going to continue to describe, is certainly would give us these kinds of effects that we see in aerial phenomena as well. Interesting. Um, so if I can, uh, uh, I'm going to take us a little bit further down into the rabbit hole here. Okay. okay. Um, one of the other things that electrons can emit when they drop down to their lower orbits is thermal energy. Now, here's what's interesting. In recent decades, paranormal investigators have been bringing thermal cameras, thermal imaging devices inside of haunted locations, has been picking up some very, very interesting uh, uh, observations. Some of them are so distinct that we would actually be able to call them a thermal apparition. And yet, when we study these pictures, and, and, you know, we haven't had a paradigm by which to really understand them, but now thinking about what I'm saying, if we go back and study these images, we'll notice something very distinct between them and the thermal images of actual living creatures, where we see great variations in the thermal signature across the surface. When we look at these paranormal images, we find that their thermal signature is more or less uniform across the entire image. They don't have the kinds of variations that living creatures do. So what this means is this. Number one, that the heat is being generated by a single mechanism across the entire surface. And number two, that the event is actually happening at the surface of the apparition, not from its core. There is no heat-generating machine or mechanism at its core as there is in a living body. So this would also be very... My theory would explain exactly how these paranormal thermal images would look.
3: Yeah, it's so interesting too. I wonder how like that energy sticks together and it doesn't dissipate. You know, some of these, uh, some of this evidence that paranormal investigators find, you know, of, of of like what you were saying, a thermal apparition. How does it stick together and in and, and stay instead of well, like dissipating? Well, here's the wonderful and,
0: thing about it, and this is where I was talking about. We, we reach a new understanding and paradigm when we break that mental uh, uh, block
2: mm-hmm. of,
0: of linking spirit and energy. Um, if you think about the spirit creating this kind of an effect, and you think about the energy arising from the atmosphere immediately surrounding that effect, then you're no longer linking the spirit with the energy. You're no longer saying that the two things are the same cause, but one is a cause and one is the effect. And since the atmosphere is always there, and the energy and the electrons are always present in it, it's always going to remain coherent, whether we see a apparition or not. The energy in that that space of atmosphere is always there and always coherent. You see what I mean? Yeah. The, in other words, there's nothing that needs to hold the energy together. It's present in the atmosphere. Um, but what the apparition is is a materialization of information, and we're going to talk a little bit about that real quick if uh, if I get well, this done quick enough.
3: Real <laughs> quick, I I just, I I just have a, a quick question about um, why would this energy choose these certain locations, like haunted houses or um, you know these these areas of high activity? Why would why what would cause that to be that specific location?
0: Well, so the energy uh, would choose to be there because there's, there's physical material there. So where there's physical material, like building materials and atmosphere, the energy is going to be there too. But why are certain... I think what you're asking me is, why are certain events uh, or certain locations uh, haunted? Yeah. And my belief, based on my model, is this. First of all, this external body of information is also continuous, like Einstein's space-time continuum. So, in other words, the information that comprised a person that lived there, because everything in the universe is materialized information. So, the information that materialized that individual when they originally lived is tied in some way to the information that also materializes the dwelling or the structure in that same area. It's related. It's a continuum from one thing to the next. certain portion of that person's information is going to be tied in some way to that location. Now, when you combine that with the idea that human beings have the ability to affect the physical reality around them directly, and yeah. this has been demonstrated in a number of different experiments, My argument is this, that strong trauma, strong emotion at times can actually damage the local fabric of space-time. And so when that occurs, we actually get that kind of an inner tube effect where Ah. in that haunted house, the fabric of space has actually been damaged or fatigued so that you get a bubble popping out of it like a weak spot in an inner tube. Now, when you combine that, with information that's tied to that location that can materialize inside of these bubbles and that these bubbles can happen at much more frequent uh, rate because of the, the damage of space-time. The combination of those two things is what creates a haunted house.
3: Interesting. I, I like that theory. That's a you, that's you've really good. You've talked about that yeah, before. I, I, you know, that could explain, you know, some of these poltergeist activity, uh, people actually causing their own hauntings.
1: So are you saying that it's all like a matrix?
0: Yes, this information is. So in other words, what? It, so to understand this on a different level, I'll shoot something out to you, another mm-hmm. thing out. Mm-hmm. The difference between an intelligent haunting mm-hmm. and a residual haunting only has to do with the amount of information being materialized. In other words, we have a body. We can see it, we can touch it, we can measure it, but we also have an intelligence within that body itself. If we were only to materialize the physical part of ourselves, we would almost have what you would call a residual haunting. But if more information materialized, in fact, our intelligence itself, that information materialized with the body we would have an intelligent horning. So the two different types of horning isn't a a difference in type, it's only a difference in degree.
1: Okay, so in your opinion, do you see this as as two separate worlds, dimensions, the spiritual world, and the physical world kind of interconnecting with each other?
0: No, uh, in fact, I'm planning to write a book that, uh, called the multiverse conspiracy to explain why multiple universes or multiple parallel universes is not a viable explanation. Oh, the, be very the interesting. the realm is is actually a part of our reality. It's just like a superstructure placed on top of our dimensional space-time. And the whole thing comprises one reality. It's just that we normally experience the dimensional part of it instead of the super-dimensional. Now, real quick, if we could, I wanted to uh, talk a little bit more about this ball of space-time, if we can.
2: Yes, absolutely.
0: All right. Okay. Now, let's take... We were talking about the outside of this ball of Mm space-time. Let's take a look at the inside of it. If we have this ball expanding... What it actually does when it does this in the presence of material is it temporarily creates a vacuum inside of itself. There's a vacuum, a lack of barometric pressure inside of that expanding ball. Now, when it happens slowly, the laws of equilibrium take place and the uh, material, like air molecules and its associated thermal energy, flow into that vacuum and create an equilibrium. It's like water seeking its own level. But if it happened very quickly, you would have an effect like waking up on a cold winter's morning going up to your front door and throwing it open very quick. You would get an inrush of cold air Mm -hmm. because there's a lack of thermal energy. There's a vacuum being created, and that's a cold spot. Mm -hmm. And if, if it happened very quickly, you would also get air rushing in quickly, and that's those mystery breezes that you guys feel where you feel the breeze go by and there's no doors or windows open.
2: Mm.
0: Now, here's another thing. And I've heard many paranormal investigators talk about, on the onset of a paranormal event, a place gets a feeling of heaviness.
2: Oh yeah. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: And it's not something like six different people give you six different explanations. It's like a hundred different people will give you this very same word, heaviness.
2: Yeah. yeah. We mm-hmm. all
0: know what that means.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, we grow up with it. We know what heaviness mm-hmm. means. So when every person saying the same word, that's significant. Well, folks, what does the bending of space create? A gravitational field.
3: Oh, interesting.
0: And this would be a field that would be in addition to the field of the Earth. And so uh, you, may, you may know that uh, you, may, you may be familiar with David Roundtree. Uh, he has actually conducted about five or six of the experiments that verify my model. He gets hmm. the results that my model predicts, and this is one of them, that he detects an opening up in a gravitational field that's in three dimensions, three axes, which shouldn't be because a distortion in the Earth gravitational field would still be pointing down to the center of the Earth. It would be one-directional di- one instead of three-directional.
3: And this is so, only happening in this one area. Yeah, it's like a little sure. mini, a mini gravitational pull.
0: Yeah, just like where that bubble comes out of that inner tube, and Interesting. it creates an additional field of gravity, which is independent of and addition to the gravitational field of the Earth itself. This has already been experimentally verified.
3: Hmm. And what was that? Uh, this, was it a scientist that did these experiments?
0: Uh, David Roundtree, yes.
3: Okay, Randy, we're yeah. gonna have to check that guy out.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, oh yeah, does he, have a, uh, does he have a website for our listeners?
0: Oh yeah, Spirit Spirit Labs. Okay. Look That's up just... Spirit Labs.
1: That sounds interesting, Spirit Labs.
0: Him and I, <laughs> him and I are working right now on the early uh, uh, collaborations to actually submit the first scientific paper to the world. Uh describing paranormal mechanics, wow, good for you
1: that's
3: great you you are pushing the field here,
0: yes, you are, and this is
1: needed. This is very much needed
0: now, I wanted to if we got time, I want to go down the rabbit hole a little bit, yeah, 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 yes, I yes. love
3: this rabbit hole, so
0: okay, <laughs> carry on so, here we are talking about the entire universe, everything in the universe. Being a materialization of extra physical information within the bulk, in, within the bending of space time within these space time bubbles. Now imagine this bubble that we're talking about in a haunted house, mm-hmm. and imagine if there was a haunting entity, a haunting spirit, okay. and tried to speak something, just like we would. We would think about speech in our minds and we would make that happen with our bodies and our vocal cords. You know, we haven't when we pass on we don't acquire the physical ability to be able to convert matter into space and all these kinds of things. We would act uh, that that intelligence would naturally try to speak the same way as we living beings would speak. But now imagine that vocal information which is what it is coming down into one of these bubbles and materializing. Well, the first thing it would do, it would begin to shape the surface of that bubble according to that information. And that surface would begin to vibrate with the frequency and the amplitude dictated by that information. Mm
2: -hmm. Now, since
0: that surface is in direct contact with the air molecules around it, it will begin to vibrate those air molecules to the frequency and amplitude of a voice and so we would hear a disembodied voice uh-huh. out of midair uh-huh. because the actual surface of space time is acting like a speaker
2: hmm. it's like the
0: paper of a speaker it's vibrating and we hear a voice come out of midair now it gets even deeper Okay. If you remember earlier, I was talking about these bubbles opening up in the presence of material. Yes. Yeah. creates an electromagnetic field.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, at certain frequencies, and these are one of the things that we're going to advance in paranormal investigation, people beginning to measure for these kinds of uh, predicted events. At certain frequencies, that vibrating surface of space-time would also oscillate the electromagnetic field that that surface is generating in the air. And so now we're going to have a compression wave of an electromagnetic nature. Now, what that's going to do is that's going to do things like when it hits a recorder, that it's not going to affect the acoustic diaphragm itself because it's not air waves; it's electromagnetic waves but will induce itself directly upon the copper coils of the recorder uh, mic. And so the recorder will pick up an EVP Mm -hmm. that is very audible on the recorder, but no one acoustically heard it because it was an electromagnetic impression of a wave brought about by the vibrating surface of this bubble. Now, two predictions this makes both of which have been experimentally verified by David Roundtree. Okay. Number one, that we should be able to record EVPs in a vacuum. Oh. And he has. Oh, wow. Number two, we should be able to record EVPs with the acoustic diaphragm of the microphone surgically removed. And he has. Thirdly, we should know that if we put... This recorder in a shielded Faraday cage that we should not be able to record an EVP and have a control recorder outside of the Faraday cage to pick them up. And that's exactly what he's gotten. The one inside the Faraday cage does not pick up the EVP, but the one outside of it does.
1: Meaning meaning what in simple terms?
0: Meaning that EVPs that are recorded on a micro on a recorder but are not heard audibly by local witnesses
2: mm-hmm.
0: are an electromagnetic effect that is directly working upon the coils of the microphone. It's mm. a field induction onto the copper coils of the microphone, and so that gets interpreted uh, by the recording device in the exact same way as the vibrating diaphragm of the microphone would normally produce that electromagnetic compression in those coils. What this does is it bypasses the microphone's uh, diaphragm and induces the pattern of of voice directly upon the copper coils of the microphone.
1: Wow.
3: (laughs) Blown my mind.
0: (laughs) This is... This is such a great discovery. And what's really even crazier about this is that David Roundtree and myself only met a couple months ago. He and I have been working completely independently of each other without any knowledge of one another. And when we compared notes, we found that my theory, my theoretical model of paranormal mechanics, perfectly predicts the experimental results that he's gotten. Wow. Anybody so, out your fate that, here. Anybody out there that has a science background, your hair should be standing on its end right now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> this is this is big. I, I mean, you're probably writing history here, making making history. So. Yeah, I mean, you imagine? Can you imagine? And uh, this it's, also,
0: folks, <laughs> is going to be the key, not only to elevate paranormal research into a branch of legitimate mainstream science but will also bring about what many of us hope for in this field which is para- paranormal unity
1: right oh i'm with you on that one I'm definitely with you Why do you think is going to happen after let's say it's accepted by the scientific community and there it is receiving all the support What's going to happen? How is it going to what, how is it going to change?
0: The first thing that's going to, that needs to happen is this: instead of everybody running around doing all different kinds of things and having all different kinds of ideas, and and please, when I say this, I don't mean to be disrespectful. I'm saying it more out of frustration than anything right. else. Mm-hmm. Um, it, 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 it's uh, it, it's like when you it, when you're watching a horror movie and they're showing you the viewer the the creepy guy coming up that's going to murder everybody
2: <laughs>
0: and nobody in the house sees them
2: yeah and you're
0: coming out of your skin and saying oh my god look he's there he's there this is how I see paranormal phenomena <laughs> okay. So what we need to do is get all the people who don't know the monsters coming. And what we need to do is get them in a unified effort to begin to, to adopt the exact same type of experimental devices and the exact same kinds of experimental techniques and the exact same theoretical model that they're testing for. And then suddenly Team A is getting the exact same results as Team B, as Team C as Team D, Mm -hmm. not just saying, oh, we're all getting EVPs and we're all seeing apparitions, but we're getting scientifically relevant and significant uh, uh, data and observations and measurements that are uniform from one place to another and all comply to the exact same theoretical model. That is what is going to elevate us from the dark ages that this field is largely still in you know, from the cobwebs and the witches' brews and the flying bats and the spooky music and the gothic clothing and the flashlights (laughs) under the chin to make yourself look spooky on your website. That's all going to go away, and we're going to become an established, legitimate field of physics that will eventually lead to help cracking the code of how the universe itself is put together.
1: So basically you're saying all these scary things that humans have labeled as as paranormal, it's perfectly normal. It's not paranormal. It's normal.
0: Well, yes. Think about it for a minute. Uh, In a haunted house, we don't have any technology that's producing that effect. Mm -hmm. People have been seeing these things for hundreds and thousands of years. That's right. Ghosts are actually mentioned in the Bible. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, A couple times and in the context it's clear to see that the writers are talking about the exact same thing that we call a ghost today these things naturally occur in the environment that means they have to be possible and part of the way that the universe is actually put together and all we have to do then is discover the details of that and then not only can we define it scientifically, but we can actually begin to build technology based on its principles. Can you imagine being it's able to huge. understand the physics behind poltergeist activity? Where not things only is that. Ref- yeah. I
1: mean, in your book you also mention um, the miracles of the Bible. How is that even tied up to this?
0: Well, the example I normally give, I talk about seeing the apparition of a 19th century Victorian lady and Mm -hmm. assume that we've done the research the historical research and found out that the image people see is the same woman who lived there 120, 130 years ago okay well what's happening is that within a fold or a bend of space time the exact same information that materialized the living woman 130 years ago is materializing in front of us now which also implicates time travel, Mm. but it also implicates teleportation and bilocation, because from a relative point of view, that the woman walking down her hallway 130 years ago and her apparition doing the same thing are happening at the exact same moment in time or the exact same uh, location in space at two different locations in time. So it actually is a bilocation, now, if we think about this same thing, let's say, in the miracle that's talked about in the Bible, where Jesus fed thousands of people with five loaves and two fishes,
2: mm-hmm.
0: it doesn't say he multiplied them into many different loaves and fishes. It says he fed 5,000 people with the same five loaves and two fishes, materialized in thousands of different geometric locations at the same location or coordinate in time. So it really was those loaves and fishes were in thousands of places at the same time. And the funny thing about that is that we don't violate the, the conservation laws because we haven't created anything new. It's the same five loaves and two fishes.
1: Interesting. Wow. Hmm.
0: This is it begins to tie everything together.
1: You're right. I mean, and there's so much more to talk. We, I feel like we're barely touching the tip of the iceberg right now. Um, we that can talk about.
0: Like a, that sounds like a good excuse for episode two.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think so. I think so because you just started talking about time travel, which is my favorite subject, and we're almost out of time. And so we have to have you back again talk about. Teleportation, time travel, more about the miracles of the Bible. This is really interesting.
3: Advanced crafts and super um, dimensional technology. I love it.
1: I
0: mean, and even, yeah. and even parapsychology. There we go. You think you imagine somebody is getting a thought telepathically, and then it materializes in the brain as electrochemicals. Um, it's the same thing. It ties it all together.
1: So all in all, I think you're saying we are like babies right now as far as understanding how everything around us works. We're just
0: scratching the (laughs) surface. We think we know, but we
1: really don't. We have
0: no idea. (laughs) I think that in the end, what, what I envision is that once this theory gets more widespread and paranormal investigators start adopting it and using the research techniques developed by David Roundtree... We're going to have a renaissance. We're going to be able to look at paranormal research as like B.C. and A.D., everything that came before this and everything that's going to come after it.
1: Also, real quickly, you also mentioned in your book the role that evil plays. Why is evil, the concept of evil, important?
0: The concept of evil is important because it is what um, – do we have a couple minutes to talk about this?
2: Yes, yeah.
0: yes, yes. All right, we're going over. All right. Um, that's that's good. Um, think about our understanding of God. If we take a biblical interpretation of God,
2: mm-hmm.
0: we understand he's in- infinite. There's no beginning or no end. We understand that he's a pure substance, whatever he is, that the Bible says repeatedly that there's no change or variation in him. He's always the same, all-knowing, all-seeing, unchanging, and eternal. Now, imagine this type of a god deciding that he's going to create a physical universe. He's got two problems. First of all, the physical universe that he's created is of the exact opposite nature of him. Mm -hmm. It is timed. It has a beginning, and most physicists think it'll have some sort of an end. It is measurable, and God is immeasurable. It has differences in spatial and temporal dimensions, neither of which God is subject to. Um, We have differences between here and there, which are spatial, this is how I put it, and the differences between then and now, which is temporal. That's what time is. So God couldn't create this kind of a world in himself because it it would just disintegrate. It would never even take form. As the Bible says, that corruption can have no place within incorruption, nor can the physical ever be part of the spiritual. They're separate.
2: Mm. Okay. So the
0: first thing God would have had to do was create a realm outside of himself. But now he still has an additional problem. Since he is a pure substance, a pure being, how does he get the differences from which the physical universe is constructed? Well, when we look at that theology, we find that there is a difference, and that's his adversary. Mm. Because the ancient understanding of the word Satan was literally adversary. So imagine these two great absolutes, this absolute positive, as Charles Fort would have called it. He called it the positive absolute, Mm -hmm. and the negative absolute. And they come into clash with each other. And in that area that they clash is called a zone of conflict. Mm -hmm. And within that zone of conflict, suddenly, we begin to have prematerial wave functions. We have frequency and amplitude. We have differences in time and differences in space in dimension. And as that conflict intensifies, those prematerial waves begin to decelerate. They slow down. They increase in density, like rubbing your palms together. The harder and the faster you do it, the more heat it generates. They get mm-hmm. denser and denser, and they begin to decelerate. As soon as they reach down to the speed of light and enter that band of reality, they begin to unfold and materialize in the space-time.
1: Uh-huh. That's deep.
3: <laughs> <laughs> i I'm trying to grasp all this, and it's, it, it, yeah, it's going beyond my uh, my comprehension here. So, thank you for for opening my mind to it's, it's, to these series. This is this is cool. When,
0: when people ask me things like, uh, "Well, why is there evil in the world?" Because I'm a
2: Christian, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: and why does bad things happen to good people? I explain to them that the alternative is non-existence. Hmm. So I'll take existence and life with the evil in the world, uh, in favor of non existence
1: Wow. The whole duality. Well, that's I'm I'm I just got goosebumps. I've, I would love to chat with you over coffee, like for hours and hours and hours. <laughs> I'm looking at the time here, and I'm like, oh, my God, I have so many more questions. Um, please, real quickly, tell our listeners, how can they find this incredible book?
0: Uh, the Everything can be found. Uh, the blog that you were talking about, the various articles, links to buying the book, uh, at www.cosmicveil. That spelled V E I L.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Cosmicveil.com. And there's even an email address there if you want to contact me. I do answer all emails. Nice.
1: Okay. Well, everyone, if you have any questions, my my mind is going crazy right now. I apologize. My I'm going like a hundred miles per hour inside my head right now. <laughs>
0: What I, tell people I think you that, opened
1: the door. <laughs> I think
0: you did something yeah. to me. <laughs> Imagine if you took a caveman of 50,000 years ago and were able to instantly teleport <laughs> in time yeah. Yeah. to the passenger seat of your car while you're driving yeah. down the road 50 miles yeah. an hour.
1: That's the perfect analogy of what I'm feeling right now. <laughs> I'm this woman, completely confused driving next to you in your car.
0: <laughs> but well, I have thought... We've got something that this the paranormal community has been looking for literally for over a century now. We have a model. We have a model that can not only stand up to science but actually explain things that science has yet to explain with its own theology. This is this is important and it and um and I wanna get everybody on board as best I can.
1: And we thank you so much for this passion and dedication Uh, In the name of the uh, paranormal community, Uh, I'm truly excited, and I can't wait to see what else you both find. Uh, I'm going to keep in touch with you, and definitely keep everybody posted, and uh, have you again for another show. Yes, we would love to have you again. Sounds like fun. I don't sound like a little kid, like, uh what? <laughs> Say that again. <laughs> I'm like learning my ABCs here. It, this is this is super interesting. Um, thank you so much for accepting this interview tonight and educate me and 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 giving me a different perspective of what a paranormal is. This, I'm definitely gonna see experiences. Every experience, not only the paranormal, every every experience different.
3: And you, you definitely gave us and our listeners some food for thought and conversation for tonight and whenever they listen to this, this is this is good. I, I definitely I, I see some stuff coming out of this. So
1: yeah, I, you can tell I'm kind of speechless right now. It's um, there's a lot of questions that I want to continue asking. Um, I'm probably bugging you through email or on Facebook.
0: <laughs> 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 there you go. <laughs> Well, thanks so much for having me, guys. I really appreciate it.
1: No, so we appreciate your time. And again, everyone, the website for our guests is www.cosmicbail.com. Again, thank you so much. Uh, good luck on and, search. And we'll, we'll give you
0: We'll talk again soon, I'm sure.
1: All right, everyone. Mr. Thomas bosco thank you so much sir thank you thanks okay wow
3: that was interesting it that was, was awesome um
1: I'm, my, I'm 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 speechless I'm my just... brain,
3: my brain kind of hurts right now just trying to take <laughs> it all well i mean
1: first of I,
3: all i'm definitely interested in you know in interdimensional and uh I, the quantum physics and all this stuff and, and just, I, I guess I got to learn quantum physics quite a bit more to actually correspond well, to this stuff. Well, let's start with
1: physics. <laughs> I <know>. <laughs> Quantum <laughs> physics to be a little bit, let's start with physics. Know. You know. Basic physics of how everything in this world works in this universe. Um, I went to the Elegant Universe and it was, it was mind, it was mind blowing. It was, crazy is all this, this this string theory all the possibilities it just i'm very open-minded and to me everything's possible yes that's how yeah. i see it yeah. that's just my personal opinion yeah. and i admire people who truly challenge any theory any well, thought anything just
3: they're just thinking outside the box. They're not going exactly. along with conventional. And this exactly. is like,
1: like the,
3: way out of conventional thinking, which I respect. I think it's really, really interesting and really cool. So. It's
1: amazing. I don't have enough words to describe right now. Uh, like I said, um, I'll probably be more um, clear in my mind <laughs> in the next <laughs> show. Um, I don't know. My All these concepts are going crazy in my head. But anyway... Thank you so much everyone who had the patience to listen to me going all and 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 being amazed at all these theories. Uh I know some of you probably don't agree and but I challenge you to call us. Call us next time. Tell us why do you agree? Why don't you agree with these theories? What is your personal passion, your personal belief? Um there's a lot of things that we touch here in this and this night and um, I encourage you, call us, write me on Facebook, uh, Vera J. Martinez. Go ahead. Ask can, me other challenging questions that I contact, can pass on to. You can also contact me. us on
3: our website on Paranormal.
1: I feel like I'm talking really weird right now. <laughs> I'm not <focusing>. But anyway. <laughs> yeah,
3: he, he got you thing. He I really got me. <laughs> I'm like, wow. So. Um.
1: I just want to keep talking about it, and, and we're running out of time. But anyway, Little Names, thank you so much for joining me tonight. Absolutely. It was lovely having you, and Aww. thank you for the cool intro. Absolutely. Um, next week, Marfa Man will be back with us, and hopefully, uh, Baby Snakes too. And yeah. we'll have your weekly with what True. Um, Thank you so much, everyone who listened tonight. Please remember, we are no experts by any means, just huge Paranormal fans.
3: Be skeptical, but be open-minded, too.
1: And together, let's continue to search, search for, for answers. answers. Everyone have a great weekend. Be safe. Love you. Good Bye. Good night. Thank you.
3: Oh yeah. That's it for tonight. The Veranormal Show. Little Nige. Marfa Man. Vera Martinez, we're out.